Hello, my friends. This is Sheila Pearl, the love doctor. Let's talk about making love better. And today I've invited a very good friend of mine and colleague of mine, Marie Vega Byrne. And I'm going to just give you a little backstory. Marie and I met in a women's networking organization uh, years ago, about 15 years ago. Right, Marie? Oh, yeah. I was thinking about that. It's been that long already, huh? And uh, fast forward to 2008, we took a cruise. We took a cruise with Bob Proctor and friends. Oh, boy. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, about 2,000 of Bob Proctor's friends got on this ship down in Florida. We took a cruise to the Caribbean. And on the cruise, I approached Bob Proctor to uh, ask if he would write the foreword for a book that I had co-authored with with a friend and he agreed. So that was uh, uh, a nice uh, gift for that ship, uh, for that tour, for that cruise. Oh, but let's be honest. You pursued him. Oh, I pursued him. You pursued him. I followed him all over. In fact, when I saw him uh, the first night, just to say hello, he said, just follow me and persist. And I did. And you were persistent. Yes, yes. <laughs> the night before we disembarked back in, in uh, Florida. So, but he, 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 he said yes, and he, he applauded my persistence, by the way. <clears throat> One of the other gifts on our cruise was Marie meeting Mary Morrissey, <sighs> who was one of uh, Bob's good friends and one of the speakers that was available on this wonderful cruise. And Marie was inspired to work with Mary Morrissey and, uh, and she got her special super duper training as you call it, a dream coach or? A life mastery consultant. Thank you, life mastery consultant. And uh, Mary Morrissey is the best. And Marie studied at the, at the feet of the masters, as they say. And oh, yeah. She's now a life mastery consultant. So, um, and so I've watched Marie go through many iterations and reinventions of herself, as, as I have as well. So, so in thinking about who I would like to have a conversation with and talking about making love better, I couldn't think of a person I'd more rather have that conversation with uh, in terms of dreaming big, having the, the right mindset for loving and for life. And uh, so when I talked to Marie about what she wanted to focus on in terms of the topic, she says, I want to talk about having it all. And I'm going to let her explain that to you. <laughs> but I want to begin this conversation with a little overlay of a concept about loving that comes from Eric Fromm in his book, The Art of Loving. He says, love is an attitude, an orientation of character and your sacred uniqueness. He says, love is not primarily a relationship to a specific person. It is an attitude, an orientation of character which determines the relatedness of a person to the world as a whole, not toward one object of love. So what Eric Fromm talks about is the concept that love is a state of being that we are, each of us, born to love. 
We are each of us born to dream. We are each of us born to believe and to live with the belief that we are each enough and we are whole and, and unique and precious. And so often in my experience over the past 40 years with working with individuals and couples and families around this subject of making love better, I've discovered that one of the main stumbling blocks for most people in having satisfying loving connections is their mindset, the way they think, often being afraid that they're not enough. And, and I, I think, Marie, you and I understand that if, if I believe I'm not enough, I'm going to be looking to someone else to somehow complete me or convince me that I am enough or help me prove to myself I'm enough. And, and if that person gives me the message that I'm not enough, then we've got war going on. Hmm. Oh, for sure. Right. Absolutely. So I want you to share with us what your concept is in having it all, because, you know, that could be a double-edged sword, right? But the whole idea of having it all could, could very well be a trap, but I want you to explain what your thoughts are. So when uh, Sheila first asked me to do this, it was very interesting. I started to delve or go back deep into my own self. You know, what did that mean, having it all? It was the first thing I thought about because I have been working with uh, others about this concept of, well, we want it all. We why can't we have it all? Um, from a business point of view, why can't I be a mom? Why can't I have a career? Why can't I have a relationship? Why can't I have the education? Um, and if I want two careers or two or a business as I'm building it, why can't I have it all, have it all? And um, so I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this. And so this was so perfect timing because having the love relationship and making love better begins with yourself, at least how I'm seeing it. And having it all begins with me. If I'm not self-fulfilled, then I'm never going to feel fulfilled or I'm always going to be searching for more so that the balance there's there's no balance and and that's that double-edged swords that you were talking about um, because I'm always looking for something else to fill whatever it is that I think I'm missing um, and having it all is believing that you have it all and that that's a major challenge for I would say so many people that you and I know Marie where if they were raised in a family where they got the message that they weren't enough, where they, where they didn't have a role model of someone that was loving and giving and generous. I often say to people, I wish for everyone that they had had the mother I had because that mother, she should rest in peace, was my best friend. She was my role model. And she gave me the experience of being enough, of being worthy of love, and being uh, capable of doing anything that I wanted. So, but, but many, many of us in life do not, you know, many, many of the people I work with, maybe people you work with, Marie, do not have that blessing. They do not have that advantage. So many people say, well, I don't know how to love myself. I don't, I, I, I don't feel like I'm enough. And, and I, I've got a client who, who's in her uh, early 60s and, and she's so 
obsessed with body image and she she wants to go get botox and she wants to you know she she's going to go on a diet well she already to me is twiggy and uh <laughs> but but it's it's like she's never thin enough she never looks uh you know young enough and she's got this chin well i have a chin but i'm not rushing out to get you know cosmetic surgery uh because to me i understand i am enough chin or no chin right <laughs> You know, it's very interesting that you talk about your mom that way. Um, I grew up in a very loving environment. However, I had double-edged swords with both my parents. Um, and it wasn't until I got to be an old, you know, a little bit older. As a, as a young woman growing up, I was always taught that my, I, I heard from my father that I wasn't enough or that I would never be or that it would never happen. Um, no, college isn't for women because you're going to grow up and get married and have babies and what are you going to do? Um, and my mother was pushing and pushing and pushing on the other side with, you have to be better. You have to be perfect. You have to, you have to achieve more. So that, create, that created such a sense of, I was never in a space of comfortableness with my own skin. I created that comfortableness. I, I took what I learned and I pushed myself through, um, I often express it as, you know, going through the keyhole. Um, I made myself fit through the keyhole. If I needed to be more for business, then I was more for business. If I needed to, as I, if I was feeling less than, um, or that I wasn't going to be enough because I wasn't good enough, I pushed myself to be better. So there was always that conflict. There was always that, um, that rage going on inside of me. Um, and, and to be perfectly honest, it led me to the bottle. Um, I'm, you know, as a recover, I'm, I'm in recovery today, a few 24 hours, but it pushed me into that space of that was my comfort zone. And that comfort zone almost destroyed me. Exactly. Cause it wasn't a comfort zone at all. No, it was, uh, and, and, and I was just about to say, I'm glad you, you shared that because so often it's that a prelude to addiction that you're describing. The prelude to addiction is all the things that, that we do to numb ourselves from the fear of not being enough. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and in reality, all I was doing, exactly was doing that, was numbing myself. And I was throwing away everything that I did have. Um, the, the, the concept of getting sober was so, oh, it, the, the aliveness that came through that um, and, the, and the friendships that came from that and the, the space of, um, I didn't have to try to be something I wasn't. But it wasn't magical. It didn't happen overnight. You know, it took many years to get to that space that I was in. And it took many years after that to get to the space of feeling more comfortable in my own skin and who I am. Uh, Debbie Ford, of course, uh, taught about this, wrote about this in her work. She was one of my coaches, by the way. Uh, and, and she really formulated the whole idea of the shadow. The, the 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 blessings of the shadow and and the gifts of the shadow in other words when we are brought to our knees when we hit that wall we are forced to choose between life and death in a very dramatic way and and so many so many of us in in many different ways reach that wall 
And what you're describing is that that you were brought to your knees at a particular point in time. Yes, yes. And 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 she talks about it's interesting because Debbie Ford talks about um, lying on the kitchen floor and 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 just like, oh, wow. You know what? This this was her bottom. This was her space of open eye opening realism that if she didn't make a choice to shift her mindset. She was going to die. That's right. And, and death comes in many ways. It's, it's not just physical death. It's the emotional death. It's the, the death, mind. It, it, it's the death of the heart, the death, yep. of, the death, the death of, of uh, dreaming, the death of, of living fully. Yeah. So, and, and, and when you want to make love better, you have to begin with loving yourself. So part the first process is, is saying you're worth it. You're worthy of it. You know, Brene Brown talks about this in the gift and, and the, uh, the gifts of imperfection. Yes. And she talks about worthiness. You know, we are, we are women. And, and what I'm noticing in my, in my travels is that we are taught that we are not worthy. It's a, it's a learned behavior. However, we teach our young men that they are the, the sun, the moon, the stars, and everybody should be, you know, looking over them and saying, you're here. Yeah, we still do transfer that feeling of unworthiness to our sons, because if you watch them as they're growing up, they're always striving for more. Because that's that on that's that that level of I'm not enough. I need more. I have to have more, and it's not just in uh, money and and a job or a career or your home. It's that what's going on inside of you personally, inside your heart. So I've looked at my own life. You have to. So I mean, as you know, uh, Marie, I, I have established uh, uh, many different coaching programs over the years, and the more one of the more recent is called Into Me See. Into Me See, and it's all about it, it's my self love coaching program, but it's all about being willing to see into myself to the point where I accept myself. First of all, I have to I have to see so I can accept. I have to acknowledge all of my nooks and crannies, all of my perfect imperfections, which is, you know, one of the things Brene Brown talks about, the gifts of imperfection, is that we're all imperfect. And the gifts of our imperfection uh, is to recognize that we're all in the, the same boat, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and so the gifts of imperfection, for instance, I'm the queen of clutter. So if someone says, boy, you're really a clutterer, I can say, yeah, I am. Right. And accept it and acknowledge it. I, and and I, I hire a sister to help clean up my clutter, right? Oh, maybe I might be hiring her soon sometime. Because <laughs> I have, that's, that's, that's the space that, that um, but you know what, again, you acknowledge it and you accept it. You know, when I first got sober, the first part of it was accepting that this was something very real in my life. And, so and not just accepting it. Um, acknowledging it, accepting it, and then stepping away and giving it to my my higher power and giving it to my she to say, okay, someone else has to carry me a little while. Beautiful. And, and, and here's the magic. When I can accept me for all my perfect imperfections, 
when I can accept me with even a sense of humor about all the things about me that if you if you were said, oh, you're fat or you're uh, or or you're you know, I mean, uh, according to some scales, I might be fat, right? But I but I I accept that I'm heavier than perhaps uh, I would like to be or would be ideal. Uh, I accept that I'm a clutterer. I accept that I've got lots of projects that aren't done. <laughs> so I have, a, I have a, 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 a magnet on the side of my uh, desk over here and it says, I am a big woman and I love it. It takes a big body to contain all this fabulousness. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I look at that every day because I am a big woman and I accept it. Yes. I mean, uh, a couple of the more important men in my life have always said, you're, you're, you're a big woman and you're delicious. <laughs> so, I mean, but the point is, if I can accept me with all of my perfect imperfections, don't you think it's going to be easier for me to accept you? Yes. Yours? And if I can accept me and I'm not on the defensive for any perceived or real attacks or criticisms, then I'm going to be in a state of equanimity or balance in accepting the other people in my life for all of their imperfections too. Because what I do know, Marie, and we talked about this many times, where there's judgment, love goes on vacation. Oh, vacation. And sometimes it stays there. Um, it doesn't just go on vacation. It moves out. Um, and, and, but it takes, you know, the one thing that, that, um, you know, you can have all this awareness and you can be very accepting, but we're human. And there are times where that humanness does um, kick in. I call it the, you know, it's the horse rearing up its back end and saying, it's, it's kicking up its legs and it's saying, oh, you know, you go through the moments of, oh, I don't feel right. I don't look right. I don't sound right. I don't. Um, and we all go, I shouldn't say we all, speak for myself. I go through that periodically where my levels of security with myself, they kind of get a little shaky. Um, and I have to remind myself. And some of the things that I have around my office are, are the reminders to, you know, when, when I start to feel that way, to, to focus on something positive and to focus on something that is going to help take that dislike or disenchantment with myself and turn it back into myself and remind myself that I can love myself and that I can, like you said, love myself with all of my perfect imperfections. Um, but you go through moments like this and, and relationships are, are a big part of that. Um, I've been married, oh gee, Bill and I will be married 25 years this year. Is it really? My, my yeah. When I first met you, you were just on the cusp of, of maybe uh, 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 celebrating your 10th? Just about, yeah. Yep, yep. Just about. Um, and it's, it's amazing when I look back at where we, how we met, where we went, you know, as we started to travel our relationship, um, where we went to, the spaces that we've gone to, and the spaces that we've come back from. So when you talk about vacation, yes, I'm um, not going to say that, uh, you know, our relationship has been 100% perfect because there have been moments where we've wondered whether or not this was the right thing for us. Um, well, so it's been a very interesting uh, travel. 
And Marie, isn't that the dance of life? Yes. Um, isn't that the dance of intimate relationships, of romantic relationships, even the dance of, of familial relationships between parents and children and between uh, siblings and, and all the close relationships. We are bound to have uh, wrestling matches with ourselves and the others that we, we claim to love. <laughs> and sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because this is life. And, and so we need to forgive ourselves for being perfectly imperfect. As you say, so many people say, well, I wasn't perfect. Well, of course you weren't perfect. We're human beings, right? But there's, there's something in that, in that little introductory phrase that's kind of like an apology. Well, I'm not perfect. I, you know, when, when somebody says to me that they're not perfect, I say, okay, tell me somebody that is. Not, Give me evidence that there is there is perfect somewhere. Well, not not even the Dalai Lama, right? No, I mean, I mean, and he says that himself. He knows it. He does, and he's got a great sense of humor, and uh, he's taught us all the value of laughing a lot. Yeah. You know, I think anybody that really is in a space like the Dalai Lama, like Mary Morrissey, um, like Bob Proctor, Les Brown, one of my favorites, my all-time favorites. You know, Les talks about. Um, how he picked himself up from sleeping in an office to being where he is today. You know, he's a, a multinational speaker uh, worldwide, you know, creating all kinds of opportunities, but he had to learn to love himself because he was always told that he was the dumb one. Exactly. So, so don't believe what other people tell you. Exactly. Don't, don't yes. believe what other people think about you. Uh, Les Brown, as you know, is one of my mentors as well. And I, I learned at his feet uh, as well. We traveled a lot of the same circles. And I think it's because we started with the cruise. <laughs> <laughs> or I should say, I started with the cruise. <laughs> <laughs> So, and, and one of the things that I know uh, is, is tremendously important in terms of self-love and love of others is this aspect of forgiveness. We, we owe it to ourselves to forgive ourselves for having fallen down, made mistakes, fallen short of our own goals and dreams because this is also part of the human condition. And so we, also, we always need to replace judgment with compassion. And that's where forgiveness comes into the picture. Yes. And, and again, the forgiveness starts with self. You know, um, if you're not willing to forgive yourself for not loving yourself quite as much as you could, not should, but could, mm -hmm. it's hard to, to open up to receive anything. You know, one of the other things that we talked about earlier when I was saying about what having it all, um, opening yourself up to receive, or I should say to give first, because giving, when you're open to, re to giving, you're also open to receiving. And that, that, that synchronicity of going back and forth allows you to, um, to give more, but more, and I don't want to say more in terms of um, 
more, bigger, but to go deeper. But the same thing is what you receive is deeper. Well, what you're talking about is the necessity and the magic of reciprocity. Yes. So when you have that energy and intention and action of reciprocity, you don't even know where the giving and receiving begins and ends. Yes, yes. It's because you are open to the giving and you're open to the, to the receiving. So that cycle of energy just keeps looping around, right? Yes. And so often the challenge many people have when they don't believe they're not enough and they do believe that they are unworthy, they also don't believe they're worthy of receiving. So they stop that flow of the loop. They, they hold off that giving and receiving reciprocity, which creates obstruction and stuck state in the relationship. And that's where people get into trouble and they are not able to love better because they're not able to receive fully. Mm -hmm. In fact, most people are much more able to give than to receive. Oh, that was always my space. It was always much easier for me. And, and I catch myself still to this day where I will give way more then I allow myself to receive and I have to open my, I have to be aware of the energy flow. When that happens, I notice that my energy becomes very sapped, um, that I, I begin to, um, my negativity, you know, that the thinking about myself starts to, uh, oh, well, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. And then I have to stop and go, whoa, wait a minute. What, 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 you know, what, what, what was the, and again, it's what's the awareness of what derailed me off my circle? What took me off that circle and, and pushed me into another direction? And then once I start to recognize that, I slowly bring it back. It's not a, yeah, I don't do this quick thing. I slowly bring it back and I get back onto that. Okay, now I'm in a better space of giving and receiving. And, and you know, we were at a meeting the other night and one of the things that came up was, no is a complete sentence. <laughs> <clears throat> Absolutely. Sometimes, you know, in, in engaging in self-love, we have to learn when to say no. Mm -hmm. so we can say yes to the things that serve us. Yes. So, so I want you to underscore what your concept is, which I love, of, of being able to have it all. Because sometimes, that, as I said, that it's, it's a it sounds like a trap. And I want you to underscore what that is for you so that our listeners can kind of wrap their arms around that concept of having it all in, in the way that you uh, envision it. So looking at that, um, I run, um, I have a, a coaching business, uh, Beyond Ruby's Coaching, and um, I coach differently than other coaches, or I should say, when I say differently, not my, the methodology, but the, my structure. A lot of my clients are coming, we come in the mornings, we come in the evenings, we come in the weekends. Um, and I found that that worked well for me because I'm still doing paralegal work for an attorney. And for a while, I would think, this is just crazy. Why can't I just do one or the other? And, and I realized I loved the energy that the paralegal world brought me. I loved working with clients. I loved working with the attorneys. Um, I loved the, putting the pieces of the puzzle together when I was doing something with a title or, you know, that really um, 
that fed my, my mind. Um, and it fed my soul because I got to see closings where people were very happy when they walked away, they bought their house. Um, the, the biggest decision, you know, for some people, sometimes the hardest decision. And that was so self-gratifying for me that I was part of that process. I didn't like the, and I still don't like always, the structure behind it, the what I call the nine to five or stuff. Um, so I've had to reshift some of that stuff. But I also still wanted to have my coaching business and my coaching practice and my, my sense of how could I have it all? I want it all. How could I have it all? Well, I couldn't have it all until I began to accept that I could and that I was worthy of it. I deserved it. And it was okay to say no and to say yes to say no to the things that didn't serve the process and to say yes to the things that did. So I want you to underscore that again. I, it, 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 I want you to restate that. What, what did it take for you to, to experience that you could have it all? What, what, was, what was the magic sauce there? What was the- So the, the, the magic secret is, there is no magic secret. The magic secret is that I had to make that decision. Well, I, I think so. When I when I say there's no magic sauce, it's there. There's it's it's it was um and no, but you said you you, you had to believe you could have it all. I, the belief is the magic sauce. The, the belief is the is the magic sauce or the secret sauce, whatever we want to call it, because it's not so much what you say you want. It's how you do it and it's, what you do it. You know what you believe you can have. Well, believing, but so believing it, once you believe it, then yes, then how you go about doing it up levels the belief system. So the, the thought process of accepting that you could, you can, you're mm -hmm. worthy, believing, then the then the how. It's it's that it's the process of, I first have to say, shift my mind and my energies around the, I can't. Mm -hmm. I can. I and believe it. You're right. It, it's more of the, it's the belief. And, but when, it, when we talk about, so when I, when I say to people, there's no secret sauce, it's not a secret. Maybe that's what it is for me when I say that. It's not a secret. Well, it's a secret from a lot of people because they don't even. <laughs> yes. So, so it's the best kept secret, right? Yes. Not not because somebody's holding on to it, keeping it a secret, but but it's, it's probably the best kept secret because a lot of people don't even think that way. They, they don't they don't realize that oh, I could have what I say I want, if and when I believe that I can have what I say and want. Oh, there it is. If and when I believe. But I, I've, I've already put that in front of myself. Like, wow, if and when. It, you, you just do. It, 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 so so the, that, that sentence of if and when I believe it, well, guess what? If you keep, for me, if I keep telling myself that when I get around to believing it, Oh, I and I can have it. You see okay. where I'm going with that? I do. So, so the belief in something actually takes a leap of faith. <sighs> it takes, a, pardon my French, a hell of a lot of courage. 
Yes. Because I, I would say the overwhelming majority of people in the world are afraid to dream big or to even hope for something that they really desire and want because they're afraid they can't have it. Well, not only that they can't have it, they're not worthy of it. So, so I'll, I'll give you another great example of, of taking the, the leap of faith, so to speak. Um, I was a single parent. Um, Ricky, my son Ricky was seven. I think he was six, six and a half, seven years old. And um, I, I had been in a number of relationships. I, I had uh, come out of a, a, a marriage that was um, let's say less not healthy, yeah. um, very not healthy. Um, and um, I was shaken. I was burnt. I called myself burnt toast. Um, I, I made a decision to leave Brooklyn and, and get into a relationship uh, with, a, with a gentleman um, that, and I moved to Westchester. Now, was that the best relationship for me to get involved in? No, it wasn't the healthiest. It wasn't the most, um, it wasn't the most serving of me. However, it served me because it took me away from where I was and it allowed me to be replanted in another space. It was a bridge. Yeah, oh, a big bridge. Um, and then the bridge burned. The relationship blew up. It blew up. But you can still to this day say thank you. Oh, my goodness. I am still friends with this person. Um, I'm not only friends with him, but I'm friends with his son who knew my son. Um, I'm friends with his new wife. Um, we travel in some of the same circles. And, and, and the story, you know, sometimes I don't share it as often as she does at times. And she says how I used to go out with her her former husband, her current husband, my former boyfriend. And I always say, thank you very much for sharing him with me first. Um, you know, uh, but the point was that he opened my eyes to some of the things that I could have. I knew I wanted to provide a better life for my son. This was the avenue I chose. Now, was it the best avenue? Yes. Was it the best avenue? No, it was the best avenue because it physically removed me from where I wanted to be, but it was not a great avenue in a, on an emotional side because I was, I was settling and I was selling myself to make the shift. Okay, did it, done, finished, over. It was almost like the tale of two cities. It was the best of days. It was the worst of days. Yes, it was yes. Both. It was both. But so I was burnt on relationships at that point. Um, I had dated a few men after that, um, but I was more concerned with the kind of person that I wanted to bring into my home and be around my son. And I, I said, you know what? I, I was looking and looking and I was looking, I was looking for this perfect person to show up in my life. And that wasn't happening. <laughs> that was just not happening. Well, then I started to look at myself. I said, you know what? I need to stop looking. I need to stop focusing on, on everything else out there. I don't know what made me think that way. I just, it just happened. I lost 35 pounds. I started to uh, work out. I did things with my son. I was in a better space and a mindset. And all of a sudden, that perfect person showed up in my life. When you weren't looking. I was nowhere looking. I wasn't ready for looking. I wasn't, I didn't want a relationship, but it was there. 
and it was it was the best thing that ever happened to me because 25 years later we're still together but it was the beginning of the first aspect of how do I see myself and what did I think I wanted in my life and I knew it was a good space because I didn't want to make I didn't want to change this person. I wasn't looking at any of the imperfections. I wasn't looking at the perfections. I was just looking. I was just, I was just admiring how I felt comfortable. That's, there was the space for me. So in the past 25 years, you've alluded to having your ups and downs as all people I know of have in a relationship that lasts more than a week. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. And, and, and in that dance of life, we learn to ebb and flow. We learn more about what reciprocity really is. We learn more about uh, forgiving ourselves and forgiving the other for being perfectly imperfect, the gifts of imperfection for sure. And you've also learned how to redefine what having it all is for you each step along the way. So that having it all is about believing that you already have it all. Yes. I mean, it's one of the premises of the gratitude practice. In the practice of, of gratitude, and, and the law of attraction, by the way, if you want to practice some of these laws, you already express being grateful for already having everything that you have and that you imagine having as if it's here already. In other words, you don't say, uh, I'll be grateful when. No, I'm grateful now. You live in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and, you, you, and, and even if you don't have something, you live as if you do. Well, you, but you live at... You when know, I say living, like you don't have... Um, so. You're focusing on what you do have. You're not focusing on Um, what you don't, because that's what you bring to you is what you don't have. There's wonderful wisdom in the book of Proverbs in the Bible, which talks about, you know, just blessing what you have, being present to what you have, recognizing that what you have is precious and a gift so that you're always present to what you do have and bless it with gratitude. There's a wonderful film. I think it was a 2013 film called Happy. yeah. You remember the film? Yeah. And, and the, the investigative reporters who were going all over the world interviewing people just in, in, in various stations of life went to India and they interviewed these, these children and this family that literally lived in a hovel. But to them, they lived in a palace. They saw they saw their lives as blessed because they were blessing being together. They had one another. They valued that. They didn't value the kind of house they lived in or whatever. They didn't even have running water, that kind of thing. So life's all about a perspective, isn't it, Marie? Oh, so much so. You know, when you were saying, talking about the, the, it's what we see, the perception of what we see and how we feel about ourselves. Um, I work with a lot of youth and uh, I work with a great organization that uh, it's all about adaptive sports for youth and young adults with disabilities. And um, 
one of the most wonderful, satisfying feelings is watching a youth who has achieved something that um, they were told they couldn't, and yet they could. But the belief is what is so apparent. Their belief Truly. is that they can, they can, they are doing this. And it's, oh my goodness, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a reminder that again, perception and what we perceive to be real or not real is sometimes not even close to what is. Absolutely. So Marie, you know, my, my story and, you know, many years ago when I was in my early 20s, I had a child who lived eight months. And from the time she passed, tragically, she was born with a heart defect. Nobody could have known. Uh, I had this emptiness in me. This is an empty hole in my heart. I, I desperately wanted to have children. And fast forward, I, I meet my husband and, and on the... Uh, practically the eve of when we were to be married, his eldest son was killed in a car accident. He said to me, Sheila, I, I release you from your pledge to, to marry me because I, I can't imagine ever having more children and I know you want children. Well, I married him anyway. And, and I realized that perhaps having children was not in the card, so I went to graduate school and I got my master's in clinical social work because I wanted to use my, my nurturing skills. While I was in graduate school, I realized I couldn't live without singing because when I met my husband, I was an, I was an aspiring opera singer. And I knew that being an opera singer was not gonna fly being married to a rabbi. So I had all these, <laughs> I had all these obstacles, right? But I, I kept imagining being a mother I kept imagining having all these children and guess how the universe sent them to me. I was, I was cut off at the past from being an opera singer and being a, a social worker was not enough for me. I wanted to continue to sing. So I became a cantor in the synagogue. It would never have occurred to me. By being a cantor in the synagogue, I, I was blessed by being given this wonderful congregation in New Jersey, and I had hundreds of children. <laughs> <laughs> that's the universe. That's the she. And, that's the she. And, and the universe sent me this big house called a synagogue where they, they actually called me Mother Earth. Mm. They recognized me as being the mother, right? And all these children were my students and they gathered around me. Now I still have contact with many of them. Some of which, some of whom I've married, I've officiated at their weddings and, and at their baby namings. So when they had children, all that sort of thing. Now in my practice as a relationship coach and intimacy specialist and, and bereavement counselor, I'm still in intimate connection with people by virtue of the work I do. So I have people telling me all the time, I feel like you're my soul mother. Can I, <laughs> can I adopt you? So I have people calling me Mama Sheila yep. all, all over the world. Mama Sheila, how are you? Mama Sheila, just checking in. And people near and dear to me in my, in my area, when I, had, uh, when I had hip surgery, they were there to help me. In other words, the universe complied because I kept the space open. I believed that somehow 
I could have everything I wanted, not necessarily in the way I thought. Ah, that's the that's you know it's funny when you were talking about your your story about how you became a cancer and 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 all those children were there we were I don't know where I was where we were talking about this and it was just recently so so there again here's the here's the universe this is the story of how so some of our 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 life has paralleled in terms of relationship and and there it was you know Aaron was there for you when that moment was it's like oh he's here um Bill is in my life oh he's here um I too had one child, one biological child. I always wanted more. My father used to say to me that I was supposed to have a passel of kids, um, that I should have had a basketball team. Well, you know, the cards didn't deal that opportunity to me, but I became a scout leader and in, and I became a, and I got involved in, in, again, in the organization um, with, for disabled youth. And I surrounded myself with the youth without even recognizing that that's what I was feel. I was feeling that, that, that energy of here, I want the children. I want to feel them. And, and we were doing numbers the other day and in, in scouting alone, in one group from, for five, for over a five-year period of, of seven-year-olds, there were 150 youth. Wow. That over time I've, you know, had, had, been part of their lives. And I still get Facebook friends. Hey, Mrs. B, what's happening? Um, or I drive down the road and there's a young man who's now in the police department here in my local community and stops and we have chats. And, and I recognize that, yes, while I always wanted to have all those children and I was only blessed with one physically, I was blessed with so many more. Truly, because <clears throat> if we understand that we're all much bigger than we think, and we all have so much more capacity and possibilities than we think, and if we just lean into and believe in possibilities when we can't see them, the universe sends us incredible surprises and gifts. Mm-hmm. And... And it continues for me. I'm now entering my eighth decade. As you know, I just turned 79. Uh. And uh, I feel like I have the world ahead of me, not, uh. not behind me. Because I envision living a, a long, vibrant life. You know, I often, I think I told you this. I see myself wherever I am at my midpoint. <laughs> Uh, haven't stopped living yet. Nope, nope, nope. So, so remember when I turned 60, I saw that as my midpoint. Mm -hmm. Be 120. Well, I just turned 79. So you do the math. I'm going to live to be at least 160. Of course. So, uh, so, but it, it, and it's, it's a perspective. Whether or not I get to 100 or 120 or 150 is not so much the issue. It's how I see myself in my life. And if I see myself at a midpoint so that I have as much ahead of me as behind me, I'm always living into my future with every single day with a sense of joy and, and uh, anticipation and curiosity and wonderment because <sighs> I'm not seeing that I'm 
you know, I'm not saying that this is my last year of life or my last decade of life. Oh, yeah. I, I refuse to see it that way because I don't know. I don't know what's around the corner with inventions of any kind whatsoever, whether it's supplementation or, or devices, energy devices or whatever, that are going to extend our, our lifespan by decades. We don't know. So, you know, you, you were talking about that. So when I think about the future, I don't go too far. Because like you said, I don't want to live in the future. I don't want to live in the past. So when I got sober, you live for the moment. You live in the moment and you take every moment and you savor every moment. And that's when I recognize when I'm, um, when I'm living outside that moment or living too far into the future. It's, the dream and the possibilities are always there for me. And, and it's always the striving of, you know, this, there's, the, there's the I want it all or I, ha I can have it all. But because I already have it already. I have, the, I have the ability to be able to look at my life in terms of all the possibilities and all the joy. And like you said, all the, the curiosity. It's here. It's right here, right now. I think that is the key. The only thing that's real, Marie, is now. Mm -hmm. And if you and I can be present to right now, as we are right now, we are experiencing the fullness of everything we are, of everything we think and feel. Uh, and, and as I'm with you at this moment, I'm also present to our history <laughs> I'm present to all the wonderful times that we've had over the past 15 years. I you know, just reminded myself with a giggle about our cruise uh, together and, and how that was and how that led us to other avenues in our lives. And when we can be present to this moment, we are in the fullness of life because we're here, because you know, we're not, we're not being derailed by thinking in the past about what we don't have or thinking in the future in terms of I don't have enough. Mm, that's having enough. What's enough? And I, I, I have some clients that will say to me, but, 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 and I go, no. Take the butt out. Take that nope. butt out. No, nope. butt is behind you. And I, and I point this way. It's right behind you. The butt is behind you. Okay. The butt's behind you here right now, this space. And I always reference this. This is the space. This is the moment. This is having it all. So can you describe for, for us what it's like for you living in your life now with your dear husband, Bill, you've been together 25 years, uh, with, your, with your son, with your grandchild, with, with, with the people in your life that are the most precious. Give me uh, a picture of what, a, what a, a beautiful day is like for you. So I'll, I'll give you this. Um, and and um, you know the story of my nephew coming to live with us also, Thomas. Yes. Um, he now is married with two beautiful daughters of his own. Um, so, and my son is remarried with, his wife has two children. 
Um, so there's lots of, I call them all grandchildren. I'm not, they you know, they're all my grandchildren yeah. um, because we don't live in the, I don't live in the spaces of steps and cause, you know, great. It, it just, they're all grandchildren. I'm Mima to everybody. Um, so my, it's interesting. We were having a conversation. Um, my, my son and I were having a conversation yesterday. He's, he's at the process of, he's thinking of buying a new house. And, and I love the, the, the thought process behind it because he's dreaming big. He's looking at numbers that at his age, I don't think I was capable of looking at. And yet he's doing this. And I'm, so I, I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. But it wasn't so much the fact that he was dreaming big about this big house. It's what he said to me was if someone comes to buy my house tomorrow and they offer me a bag of cash and they tell me that I can close this deal in 30 days or 45 days and we're not ready to move to a new house of our own, I told Elisa, guess what? We can just go pack everything up, put it in storage, and we can move in with my mom and Bill. <laughs> Terrific. Now, most people, most parents might think, uh, really? three kids, you know, two that are living at home, one that's coming in and out, two huge big dogs, um, you know, psych, uh, uh, schedules. My, both he and Elisa work these crazy schedules of 11 to 7. Their, their schedules are way different than what we're accustomed to. They work weekends, wear off weekends, all these things. And all I could think about was, wow, he wants to come home. Home. Beautiful. When Thomas is up in Saratoga and he talks about the buying a house and he says, I want to, you know, we're thinking of moving and we want to do this and we want to do this. And, with, and, and he and the, his wife, Stephanie, and the girls are thinking and Zoe and, and um, they're, they're like, oh, we, you know, we're going we're gonna to go down this way. We're going to do this. And he said, but you know what, if we're not ready and we make the move. We'll just, I, I tell Stephanie all the time, we could just go live with my Aunt Maria and Uncle Billy. <laughs> and again, oh my God, a house with another dog and two kids and little ones under five and all this other stuff. And most people would be like, you're kidding, you're crazy. And all I kept thinking was, <sighs> wow, <laughs> feeling that that's what love is, that your family wants to come home wherever you are. Now listen to what you're saying. Love is an attitude. It's a way of being. It's not about one person. Nope. It's about being the most of who you are in the space of your life, no matter what's going on. So that it's about being open, being generous, and celebrating the connections that matter. Mm -hmm. and, and, and knowing, for me, wow, that they want to come home, okay, mm -hmm. that energy, but also that I have it all. I have the careers <laughs> I have the life, I have the home, I have the, I have it. It's mine. It's here. It's right here. And I've been blessed 
the universe or my she has blessed me with the capacity and the ability to acknowledge it, to, 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 to be able to receive it, to be able to give back, that rep, you know, to be able to do the circle, the full circle, and to say, I'm worthy. I'm love. I'm, I am it all. That is what it's all about. Marie, let's do this again. Oh, I'd love to do this again. We'll do part two. Uh, it, there's a, a riches of, of people that I am blessed to be able to have conversations with, but we will do part two. And I'm so honored and thank you so very much for having me. I'm really excited about your new adventures. <laughs> thank you so much. So, so tell our listeners how they can find you. So right now you can find me. I'm on Facebook under Marie Vega Byrne. That's my personal Facebook page. I also have a business page. It's Beyond Rubies. Or you can email me at Marie at um, Marie at beyondrubies.net. And my phone number is 914-443-7495. And you can leave me a message if I don't grab it right away. And I will get back to you. Beautiful, beautiful. By the way, just a, a little PS. The name Beyond Rubies. Uh, a conversation we had years ago about that, that, that section from Proverbs talking about Beyond women rubies. are worth far more than rubies and pearls. And that is how that is how the name of the company came about. That's right. Because we're all worth, all of us, not just women. We are all worth far more than rubies and, and pearls. pearls. Exactly. And we could go beyond it. And we go beyond it. Absolutely. So until next time, this is Sheila Pearl, the love doctor, wishing you the, the blessings of making love better in your life. And we hope that this conversation made a difference for you. See you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>